if I was going to be given the privilege to walk through somebody's bakery, that I really should take advantage of that opportunity and, and find those things that, that would help me for the future. Welcome to Sense Sliced Bread. I'm your host, Charlotte Ashley, editor of Baking and Snack. In this season, we are exploring the collaborative spirit that is foundational to both the baking and snack industries. These tight-knit communities have found a way to remain competitive while also having each other's backs. We'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, AB Maori. Featuring premium bakery ingredient solutions backed by both leading technology and technical support, AB Maori North America is proud to help industrial and artisan bakers be successful and reminds you that who's behind you matters. To learn more, please visit abmna.com. This week, you'll hear from Josh Allen, founder and owner of Companion Baking, about how his participation in the Bread Bakers Guild of America has helped him grow his business as well as his network. Welcome back to Scent Slice Bread, Josh. It's great to be here again. Thanks for having me. So... I wanted to talk about um, this whole season is about bakers helping bakers. I'd love to hear about your relationship with the Bread Bakers Guild of America. Can you share with our listeners what the Bread Bakers Guild of America is first off? So I hope that I that I do a, a, a good service in my in my definition. To me, it is an affiliation of professional bakers, millers, suppliers, ingredient producers, you know, folks in and around the artisan baking community that are focused on furthering that industry and furthering the community through primarily through education. And then how long have you been a part of the organization and what prompted you to join? So we joined the organization in the early part of 1994. The Bread Bakers Guild was founded by Tom McMahon in 1993. We didn't open the bakery till December. And coincidentally, the RBA, when there used to be a Retail Bakers of America, I believe it was an annual show, it happened to be coming through St. Louis in April of 1994. So Tom came into town and was kind of searching, probably searched the, I don't know what he looked, searched the phone book back then. In terms of what bakeries are around, he came in and he was an interesting kind of very quirky fellow and sort of kind of challenged me to think about whether I was an artisan baker. And, and I don't know that I really even understood what he meant at the time, but ended up meeting a number of people that were part of the organization at that show and really kind of fell in love with the organization and, and have been a, a member for all 30 years of our history and have served on the board for a period of time and, and have done a lot of things with the organization. And it's, it's really one of my favorite parts about what I do. Why is that? What makes it one of your favorite things? I think it's just the openness and the the transparency and the support. You know, obviously back in the day, I, you know, there's probably some element of misery loves company. And, you know, we were working, most of us that are, that are in the industry, you know, work all kinds of hours and all kinds of days. And it was just nice to know there were other folks out there doing the same thing. And then there were opportunities, you know, you know, usually on an annual basis at the RBA or at IBIE for folks to get together. And, and that was both, you know, both socially and, and educationally and, and just sort of a chance to just a chance to share experiences. And it was, it was really nice to know. And, and obviously the industry's changed and it was all before social media. You couldn't follow anybody. You didn't really know what anybody was up to, 
Um, there were no websites even at the time to really to be getting much information. So it was really the it was the glue that held a lot of us together, I think, at the, especially in the beginning. So your joining of the Bread Breakers Guild of America coincided with the founding of your own bakery, Companion Baking. How did your membership to the guild kind of help you as you were growing your own bakery? Well, so when we opened the business, we were open six days a week. So we were primarily wholesale. We had a small retail counter, but we were sort of in the middle of nowhere in South St. Louis. And so we were baking six days a week for restaurants and grocery stores in the St. Louis area. And many times I would deliver loaves on Saturday morning and then go get on an airplane and fly somewhere for 18 to 24 hours and try to take in, try to, to share experience with, with another guild member. And, and there were really three folks, most specifically, Noel Comas at Tomcat Bakery in New York, Amy Sherber, also at Amy's Bread in New York, and then Michael Gasson, a very good friend of mine who had Noy Valley Bakery in San Francisco. And they were just so open and sharing. You know, I would, I would call and say, hey, I'm I got to figure out how to get up and see you. And somebody would pick me up at the airport. And we would spend some time in their bakery, go out to dinner, go out to lunch, depending on the time of day that it was, and just sort of share experiences. And and kind of in looking back on it, you know, those things started, those, those relationships started with questions about recipes and formulations. And as I gained more confidence in myself as a baker, it might have moved to processes and packaging and packaging equipment. And then it moved to to ovens and dividing equipment. And then it moved to metrics. And over time, as I've de- continued to develop those relationships, you know, it's different things that we're asking about and sharing. And then we've been able to pay that forward by having folks come into the shop sort of in the same way. You know, anybody in the guild that reaches out, we're always open to share. But I learned so much in being able to walk through somebody's bakery. And like I mentioned, I was very young. I was 24 when I opened the business had worked for a couple of years in the Bay Area in some small shops, but really didn't know very much. I knew how to make five things when we opened the business, which was sort of the beauty of going into the wholesale business and, you know, expanded our product mix as I got more knowledgeable and and more confident. But in terms of bakery layout or in terms of equipment or in terms of process, I just didn't know anything. And, And knock on wood, I figured some things out, but most of what I figured out was through shared knowledge of other folks in the guild. And, you know, those experiences, those visits are, were instrumental in our ability to grow and couple that with the educational events that the guild always put on at different conventions or trade shows. And it really was a rounding out of the education for me. There wasn't baking program. I mean, you could take bread at a culinary school, but it was a very short piece of the program. It was mainly more baking and pastry. And, and there just was, there was no formal education, certainly at that time. And that became sort of how I pieced together an education in the industry. Are there any specific lessons that stood out to you where those relationships really filled a gap for you in those early years? You know, um, wow. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's some specific things that were really like incredibly eye-opening that I had never thought about. One that, that, I sort of thought about was Peter Kelsey was a friend of mine. Peter had New French Bakery in Minneapolis and Peter was very open. I remember going up there and going into his packing area and he had a string of what looked like Christmas lights in aisles and he'd have a bunch of paper bags underneath them and he would type in sourdough batard and all of these lights would light up above the bags, you know, every, not with no pattern. And it was everybody whose order had that loaf of bread that was lighting up for him. 
and then he would put multigrain in and then different lights would go on. And so his packers would go down the row and filling these bags up based on where there were lights. And when they finished that particular loaf, they'd switch the lights to another thing. And it was just like, it was such a cool way to do it. Like, I, you know, I don't know that, it, you know, in the end we never did that, but it was just always amazing to see the ingenuity and sort of the innovation that folks were coming up with because we were all in the same boat. No, nobody really knew how to do this. There was no, there was no real process to put, you know, crusty breads into paper bags. We weren't packaging. A lot of us weren't slicing at the time. So it was, it was a very unique industry in its, in its infancy. And folks really had to come up with really innovative ways to do things. And it was so fun to see different folks. I remember going to see Rich Labarola in, in Chicago. And at the time he was using hairnets in his banatons. And we've since done that because the, the FDA is supportive of the use of that. And I was like, what in the hell? Like, what are you doing? Like, what is that? Why do you have a hairnet in your basket? And he sort of explained that instead of using the linen that was impossible to wash and that would mold eventually, he would put hair nets in and change them out every day. And, you know, that was instrumental in, 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 in a process that we've, we've got much better luck with here. And, you know, there were little things like that you could always pick up if you were paying attention and asking questions. And I always felt a real strong sense that if I was going to be given the privilege to walk through somebody's bakery, that I really should take advantage of that opportunity and, and find those things that, that would help me for the future. This episode of Sin Slice Bread is brought to you by A.B. Maori, and we invite you to check out A.B. Maori's podcast, The Oven Light, available through Apple and Spotify. Let the expert team from A.B. M.N.A. shed some light on ingredients, finished baked goods, technical and customer service, and everything in between to help create a successful and rewarding baking experience for you. For more information, please visit abmna.com. AB Maori, passionate about baking. Why do you think guild members have always been so willing to let you into their bakeries and be transparent about their challenges and the ways they're working around them? You know, for me, it's an element of this is so hard that if somebody wants to come in here and steal what I'm doing, like more power to them, right? Like nobody's going to come. I mean, we are, it is the second oldest profession in the world. And like, it, it is just flour, water, salt, and yeast. It isn't as if somebody's going to come in and, and it is a combination of all of your own circumstances and systems that you've established that generate the products that we make. So unless somebody had exactly the same temperatures and fermentation spaces and, and process that I have, you know, they're going to make similar breads, but not the same bread. So there isn't, for me, there really isn't this huge fear, especially for someone who is, who is open to, to sharing their bakery as well. Like in a transparent relationship, there's not some fear that, that we're giving up proprietary information. And I think it's in, we kind of have an obligation to each other in the craft to continue to educate each other and, and help, you know, in the end, we all just want to make the best baguette that we can. And, and I think it's cool to, to try to help folks do that. How do you think that strengthens the baking industry as a whole, specifically your segment? Well, I mean, I think the Guild's purpose is education. And I think educating folks on 
not only how to make better bread, but almost in some respects, what is good bread is what is what drives the industry forward. And and certainly there are, you know, there are larger folks in the industry that might not be part of the organization like the Guild. And the Guild is made up of some home bakers and some small cottage bakers or folks that just have something in a farmer's market. But there's also folks like us that have been around for a long time that are producing, you know, we're producing 30 to 35,000 pounds of bread a day. I, you know, I think it makes the industry better because we it's a shared sense of quality and a shared sense of how to achieve that quality. I know the industry has been through a lot in the past few years, as we all have. How have you seen the Bread Bakers Guild kind of come together to support its members throughout kind of the big upheavals we've seen over the past few years since the pandemic? Well, certainly during the pandemic, you know, one of the challenges was, you know, if if education is what we do, how do we do that when we can't be together? And and the Guild made a very quick pivot to a lot of online classes. And while maybe they're not the same as touching dough, feeling dough, making dough inside of a, a shared workspace, the number of folks that can be touched by online classes, you know, continues to grow and is significantly more than have the time or the money to necessarily travel to Johnson and Wales or, you know, to somewhere to get together. And the Guild certainly still tries to do that at, at shows and events and and puts on their own in-person classes. But the online stuff, I think, has been really beneficial to the organization to to doing more of that. And then there's been a there's been an increase in the number of sort of business classes that that are shared in the organization as well. So, you know, like everybody, as 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 the industry has matured and as the organization has matured, we recognize that it isn't just about making great bread. It's about building great businesses and great businesses take treating your people fairly and with kindness and 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 the, and the right way. And it's also about generating cash flow and making sure that there's profitability and making the right decisions. And so there's, there's any number of classes about metrics. There's classes on human resources and empowering your people. And, you know, I think that transition has been super positive for the organization because the longevity of, of artisan baking is going to be the long, you know, is, is, you know, goes hand in hand with the longevity of those businesses. And we've got to be able to build, and it's harder and harder to survive, right? Like the pandemic was challenging and interest rates are up and equipment is harder to come by and longer lead times. And so I think the more that we can do to educate folks on being successful business owners, in addition to just being great bakers, um, is is really paramount to the to the long-term success of, the, of, of both the organization and the industry. It's like there's one thing to be a good baker and to be able to bake a really good loaf of bread. It's another thing entirely to then take that, scale it up to wholesale and then run a business. There's several learning curves there that it sounds like the guild is helping people scale. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And and I mean, and you're right. And 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 scaling could just be going from, you know, two days a week, you know, to the farm from the farmer's market to opening a brick and mortar and going to seven days a week. I mean, scaling doesn't necessarily have to be in the thousands of pounds, but but scaling is, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. Once you sign a lease is a is a is a totally different is a totally different animal. And and I think giving folks the tools to be successful doing that and hearing best practices, a lot of it. A lot of what the guild does is is panel discussions where there might be three or four folks. And, you know, here's the I, I was part of one during the pandemic where we did one on like metrics, like like 
and we got three or four people on the on the microphone and it was like here's the things that I look at here's my kind of personal dashboard of things that I think are important the three or four most important numbers to me and you have three or four or five bakers doing that and all of a sudden somebody can leave with the potential for 15 or 20 new metrics that maybe they hadn't been thinking about in their business and you know sometimes it just takes getting somebody to think differently about something. And even if it, even if that metric isn't necessarily the one they end up using, it, it just gives them a different perspective on, on what other business owners are thinking about and, and kind of losing sleep over. And it really can be very powerful for people. You've touched on a couple of things beyond just the relationships, but what other resources does the Bread Bakers Guild offer people that you yourself have enjoyed or would recommend? Well, I mean, I mean, you know, the nice thing about being a member is, is there are a ton of, of formulas that are available because they are, you know, and some are very interesting. For a long time, the guild has sponsored a team in the, in the Coupe de Monde, which is like the world championship of baking. And, you know, that was really educationally focused. You know, it was about taking an opportunity to really innovate and and drive change and and kind of work on the fringes of like this is the best quality stuff that we can make and how are we going to do that and you know all of those recipes for all of those years that we have participated are available as a resource plus all of the recipes from every online and in person class so certainly the formulations are something that while we would we while we don't use them specifically we certainly use them occasionally as reference or inspiration and then even a lot of the content from many of the classes is an ongoing so even if you don't take that particular class you know as a member a lot of those resources are available and then the, i mean look the biggest one like i mentioned is is the directory and it's just you know there's i believe there's close to 2000 members in the guild i'm sure i don't have that number exactly right but you know with about 2000 members you know a lot of times if i'm going to a, happen to be going to a town on vacation or for business or for something i'll look up who in the area is part of the guild and i'll reach out and try to see if i can stop by and say hello or or do a visit and and see if i can learn something new or or teach something new maybe depending on how long those folks have been around and so that shared camaraderie, you know, that, that guild directory is a, is a really valuable piece. Um, cause it just gives you, it, it kind of cuts through the clutter of just searching bakery when you move into it, when you go into a town, because, you know, you know, there's a commitment level to quality and, and to the, to the guild and to the organization, you know, so those are really the biggest things. And then there are social events. There are, I think we're, we're doing bread camp next year. They've done an event called Wheatstock a couple of times, which is sort of like the Woodstock of, uh, of baking where we get together a lot of times at a, it's at a Johnson and Wales facility, either in Providence or Charleston. And, and, you know, the in-person stuff is terrific. The social stuff is really nice too, occasionally. And, and, I think it's, I mean, so the organization does a lot of different outreach in order to add value to its members. You've benefited greatly from your time with the Bread Bakers Guild. How have you paid some of that forward, some of the things that you've gained from the organization? I mean, mostly by being open to visitors. I mean, that's obviously first and foremost, I think. And then I've also, I've participated in a number of panels and I have taught a number of classes, both in person and online, you know, in the, in the 30 year history, mainly really probably in the last five or 10. I mean, I think, I think in a lot of instances, you, you take more from an organization in the first years. And then as you mature and grow, you want to start to give back. So probably in the last 10 years, there's been more giving back for us than taking. And that's been incredibly rewarding and, and, and enriching for me. I certainly learn more 
then I think, you know, you, you always learn more by teaching, right? That's the, that's the way to learn the most. And so, and I happen to really enjoy the, the business side of the business. You know, I think there are some incredibly talented bakers out there and, and I don't necessarily uh, put myself at that level. So I, I, I tend to not try to teach any baking classes, but I teach a lot of business classes on just different ways to look at the business that are unconventional because we've found good success with that. And how do you communicate how do you communicate success? How do you communicate numbers to people on the bench and drivers and everybody in the organization, not just the leadership team? And so I've really, I've really enjoyed that process of sharing and, and sort of generating ideas for people to think differently about their, about their bakery. Josh, as we're wrapping up our conversation, I was hoping that you could share some advice that you would give to anyone just getting their start in this industry, or maybe who might be a new member to the Bread Bakers Guild. You know, it's it's hard it's hard work, and I think it's making sure that you that you recognize right. Like I think I think there is something to the idea that grit and perseverance wins, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't be smart. It doesn't mean that you got to bury your head in the sand and not look around and pay attention. But I would say that you have to be prepared for that volume of work. And then I think. I think I tried to mention it earlier, but but recognizing what you what you don't do as well, and and looking for help and for resources, and for somebody in the artisan baking or you know craft baking or handmade bread or a small shop, the Bread Bakers Guild is a terrific organization. But there's you know there are plenty of those different trade organizations and baking alliances that that can help. Um, and I think reaching out to those and being a member because there is something about that that shared experience and, and leaning on folks to assist you. But those of us in this industry, what I have always found so fascinating about baking is it's a really, it's a really, really intelligent group of people. You know, it is that blend of art and science. So it's, I mean, some of us are kind of quirky, but it tends to be a really intelligent group of people that do have some, you know, there are, there are processes that we have to follow. There are recipes that we have to pay attention to. It's not just throwing things in a pan. And if it doesn't work, you, you know, you just fire another dish, like making bread and, and making baked goods is different than that. And so the people are really incredible. And most of them, you know, the majority of them certainly are incredibly open and supportive and interested in other people's success. And, and that's the kind of people that I want to surround myself with. And so the Bread Bakers Guild, most specifically for me, has done that. But really, I find that camaraderie, even walking around the show floor at IBIE with folks that I've never met before. I mean, everybody sort of recognizes that this is a challenging craft. This is hard to do. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of time. And, uh, and there is something about that shared experience. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for taking the time to come on Sun Slice Bread and share your insights and your experience with the Bread Bakers Guild of America. Well, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And and if anybody's interested, it's it's uh, bbga.org for breadbakersguildofamerica.org. Thank you for listening to Sense Sliced Bread. If you'd like to join the conversation, leave us a voicemail at 816-968-7772. Or you can record a message using the Voice Memo app on your smartphone and email it to podcast at soslin.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this episode, A.B. Mowry. 
With quality bakery ingredient solutions backed by both leading technology and technical support, AB Maori North America supports industrial and artisan bakers. No matter how you slice it, AB Maori will be there for you. Don't forget to subscribe to Scent Slice Bread on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and drop us a review. Scent Slice Bread is a baking and snack podcast produced by Taryn Parker and hosted by Charlotte Atchley.